What a wonderful day this is. I want to thank you for listening to the Sage Saith podcast. This is number 170623, A Year with the Church Fathers. Pay careful attention to Scripture. About to begin a series of homilies on the Gospel of Matthew, St. John Chrysostom warns his congregation to pay careful attention. We're on the point of entering, if God permits it, a city of gold and more precious than any gold. Let us mark her foundations and her gates of sapphire and pearl, for we have an excellent guide in Matthew. His is the gate through which we shall now enter, and we need to be very diligent. For if he sees anyone not paying attention, he throws him out of the city. Yes, for the city is most royal and glorious, not like the cities among us, where there's a marketplace and royal courts, for there's everything in the court of the king. So let us open the gates of our mind, let us open our ears, and with great trembling, as we are about to set foot on the threshold, let us worship the king who is in it, St. John Chrysostom, homily 1 on Matthew 17. In God's presence, consider, how do I approach Scripture whenever I encounter it, at Mass or at home? Closing prayer. Lord, grant me through your grace to gather from your word the assurance of love, hope, and salvation. Through the Year with Thomas Merton. Aesthetic Experience In an aesthetic experience, in the creation or the contemplation of work of art, the psychological conscience is able to attain some of its highest and most perfect fulfillments. Art enables us to find ourselves and lose ourselves at the same time. The mind that responds to the intellectual and spiritual values that lie hidden in a poem, a painting, or a piece of music discovers a spiritual vitality that lifts it above itself, takes it out of itself, and makes it present to itself on a level of being that it did not know it could ever achieve. No man is an island. Magnificat, June 2023. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2 verses 41 through 51. Each year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. Anyone who was 12 years old, they went up according to festival custom. After they had completed its days and they were returning, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Thinking that he was in the caravan, they journeyed for a day and looked for him among their relatives and acquaintances. But not finding him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard them were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? 
But they did not understand what he said to them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was obedient to them, and his mother kept all these things in her heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Meditation of the Day. Immaculate Conception. Immaculate Mary. Close to God and close to us. The person who entrusts himself totally to God finds true freedom, the great creative immensity of the freedom of good. The person who turns to God does not become smaller but greater, for through God and with God he becomes great, he becomes divine, he becomes truly himself. The person who puts himself in God's hands does not distance himself from others. On the contrary, It is only then that his heart truly awakens and he becomes a sensitive, benevolent, and open person. The closer a person is to God, the closer he is to people. We see this in Mary. The fact that she is totally with God is the reason why she is so close to human beings. For this reason, she can be the mother of every consolation and every help, a mother whom anyone can dare to address in any kind of need, in weakness and in sin, for she has understanding for everything and is for everyone the open power of creative goodness. In her, God has impressed his own image, the image of the one who follows the lost sheep even up into the mountains and among the briars and thorn bushes of the sins of this world, letting himself be pierced by the crown of thorns of these sins in order to take the sheep on his shoulders and bring it home. As a merciful mother, Mary is the anticipated figure and everlasting portrait of the Son. Thus we see that the image of the sorrowful virgin of the mother who shares her suffering and her love is also a true image of the Immaculate Conception. Her heart was enlarged by being and feeling together with God. In her, God's goodness came very close to us. Mary thus stands before us as a sign of comfort, encouragement, and hope. She turns to us saying, Have the courage to dare with God. Try it. Do not be afraid of him. Have the courage to risk with faith. Have the courage to risk with goodness. Have the courage to risk with pure heart. Commit yourselves to God. Then you will see that it is precisely by doing so that your life will become broad and light, not boring, but filled with infinite surprises, for God's infinite goodness is never, never, ever depleted. On this feast day, let us thank the Lord for the great sign of his goodness, which he has given us in Mary, his mother, and the mother of the church. Let us pray to him to put Mary on our path like a light that also helps us to become a light and to carry this light into the nights of history. God's Little Instruction Book 1, 2, and 3 by Honor Books. Golden Nugget number one, inspired by 1 John chapter 3, verses 18. What a big difference there is between giving advice and lending a hand. Little children, let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them. 
and show it by our actions. Golden nugget number two, inspired by John chapter 12, verses 43. The man who pays an ounce of principle for a pound of popularity gets badly cheated, for they love the praise of men more than the praises of God. Golden nugget number three, inspired by Matthew chapter 12, verse 35. The heart has no secret which our conduct does not reveal. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Chesterson, day by day. Just as the rivalry of armaments is only a sort of sulky plagiarism, so the rival of parties is only a sort of sulky inheritance. Men have votes, so women must soon have votes. Poor children are taught by force, so they must soon be fed by force. The police shut public houses by 12 o'clock, so soon they must shut them by 11 o'clock. Children stop at school till they are 14, so soon they will stop till they are 40. No gleam of reason, no momentary return to first principles, no abstract asking of any obvious question can interrupt this mad and monotonous gallop of mere progress by precedent. What's wrong with the world? A reflection. The adversities of Christ have always achieved results opposite to their efforts against Christ. Instead of stopping the river of Christianity, they have widened it, deepened it, and made it louder. Instead of drying Christianity up, they have, so to speak, caused a flood throughout the entire world. Where one martyr fell, a company of Christians were created. Where shame was committed, glory sprouted. Where it was said that Christianity was finished, there was the beginning of luxuriant crops, in spite of all international considerations and customs. Julian the Apostate, because of his insane adulterous feministism, killed the Persian emissaries for peace, Manuel, Sable, and Ishmael. What did Julian accomplish by this? He multiplied the number of Christians, increased the number of martyrs, and hastened his own end and the end of paganism. Indirectly and unwillingly, the apostate helped in the spreading and deepening of Christianity, not only by his evil persecution, but also by his inadvertent statements. Thus, in discussions with Christians, Julian stated, Christ did nothing in his life that would merit glory, unless it is counted as a great deed that he healed the lame and the blind and expelled demons. O oh, wretched Julian! As if opening the eyes, only one blind man by the power of words alone were not a greater deed than the subjugation of ten kingdoms, how valuable it is that Julian, as the greatest betrayer of Christ after Judas, acknowledged the miracles of Christ. Quotations by St. Augustine 
You aspire to great things. Begin with little ones. Ancient wisdom for today's world. How to show your spouse the way of salvation. Paul puts the question, Wife, how do you know whether you will save your husband? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 16. What is our answer? For my part, I should answer that she will be able to save her husband if, while remaining a woman, she rises above her nature and attains the virtues of the saints. She certainly will not save her husband by treating her skin with cosmetics, by living in pleasure, by always asking for more money, by spending extravagantly. On the contrary, she will achieve it by showing herself in command of every situation, by demonstrating great moderation and great simplicity, by avoiding great importance to money. If she does this, she will be convincing when she says to her husband, we have enough to eat, we have clothes to wear, let us be content with that. She will be able to save her husband by openly putting the gospel into practice. John Chrysostom on Virginity 47. How to be nothing. Thomas Merton, from his book Contemplation in a World of Action, stated, To properly understand prayer, we have to see in it this encounter of our freedom and emerging from the depths of nothingness and undevelopment at the call of God. Prayer is freedom and affirmation growing out of nothingness into love. The difference nothing makes, creation, Christ, contemplation, written by Brian Robinette. This book kind of reflects upon Merton's words. Nothingness is usually thought to be a bad thing, Surely it is better be better to be something rather than nothing. So why would one want to explore the depths of one's nothingness? Of course, if we really were nothing, we wouldn't be worrying about it because there would be nothing to do about the worrying. That is to say, it is hard, maybe impossible, to conceptualize nothing. Since we live in a world of things... We expect every word, including nothing, to refer to something. That makes it hard to think of nothing as really nothing. It seems that it has to be at least a sort of something for the word to have any meaning at all. At the other extreme, we have the same problem conceptualizing God. If we think of God as something or someone, then what we are thinking about isn't God because God is not a something among other somethings or a someone among someones, not even as much bigger something or someone than all other somethings or someones. But is God nothing, not a thing, not even a someone? That's not quite right either, but it's probably closer to the truth.